Back in the 70s, the mantra for teens was peace and love. In the 80s, the mantra for most teen boys was skate or die. Flash forward 20 years, and what do our youths care about? What's the Wi-Fi password? Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Password, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at joshuas at calvary.com. We're in Jonah chapter 2 tonight. Uh, you might remember, you might not remember, you might not have been here at all. But we started studying through the book of Jonah three weeks ago. And the two weeks since, we have had Thanksgiving. So we weren't here on that Tuesday night. And then last week, Drew taught and shared his testimony, some of his story of how he came to know the Lord and what the Lord has done in changing his life since. And I actually want to start by kind of reminding you of something Drew shared last week. Because I think it ties in really well to Jonah chapter 2. Is Drew quoted from the book of Jude. Does it, do any of you remember what verse he quoted, like what the verse says, not necessarily the verse number? Anyone not in my small group because we talked about it again? Uh, what? Does anyone remember? It was something about doubt. He June? Have mercy on those who doubt. Yeah, have mercy on those who doubt. I love that. I think it ties in really well here because we're going to see Jonah in a really weak and vulnerable moment. We're going to see Jonah in a moment where most likely there's a good bit of doubt going on with them. And we're going to see Jonah in a moment in life that I think is actually very common to Christians, is very common to people. And it's not, just as Drew was sharing and as Jude wrote in the Bible, we're to have mercy on those who doubt. One thing I hope that you take away from this teaching today from Jonah is that if you're in a place right now in your discipleship, you're following Jesus, your friendship with God, where you are doubting or where you are having a tough time feeling God or knowing God's real or knowing God's close to you or knowing God's good, then I hope you walk away today with the understanding that that is allowed, that that is okay, and that you have a God who is bigger than your doubts and you have a God who's good. And I hope you see today, not just that your doubts are okay, but your doubts are an okay thing to bring before God or an okay thing to bring before your small group leader, before me, before the leaders here. And that as you do, I'm confident you'll actually grow to know God more and grow to experience him more. So that's my little introduction to what we're going to see today in Jonah chapter two. Let's pray and then we will get into this chapter together. Father, we thank you so much for speaking to us, for being with us. Lord, we want to be able to pray and sing that last song with honesty and declaring that, Lord, you have our whole heart. Lord, that you have reached down and you have touched our whole heart through. Lord, we want to have an experience of that tonight. We want to know that you are close by, that you are near to us, and that you are good. And Lord, as we pray this, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here today who Lord, maybe feel far from you, or maybe are in a season of doubt or discouragement. 
or Lord, who will be in that season at some point in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them by these words tonight, that you would strengthen them, that you would show them your love and your mercy, that you are near to them. Jesus, we pray this in your name because it's by you that all of this is true. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to start by actually reading the last verse of Jonah chapter 1. And so if your Bible, especially if you're borrowing a Bible, it might be connected to chapter 2 a little bit, right under where it says Jonah's prayer. It's chapter 1, verse 17. It's just a reminder of where we're at. It says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Don't you hate it when that happens? It's a tough place. Yeah. Happens to me, it's got to be like a weekly thing in my walk with Lord. No, no, I'm just kidding. So, we, we see this man, Jonah. To remind you of what was going on that led him to this point, Jonah's a prophet, meaning he's someone who you could say has been hired by God to be kind of like a, a, a delivery boy for God. God speaks to Jonah, gives him a message that God then wants Jonah to take to the people and to share with them. And Jonah, at the start of the book, was given a message by God to go to the city of Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria, which is like the big enemies of Israel. In Jonah's eyes, they would be evil, despicable people that deserve his hatred. And so he did not want to go to them to tell them that God was ready to bring judgment upon them because he didn't want them to repent and be forgiven by God. He was hoping that he could not share that message and because of that, have this city be destroyed. So instead of going to Nineveh, he ran the opposite direction, got on a boat and tried to sail to what he would have thought of as the end of the earth, a city called Tarshish. But on the way, on the boat, there's a storm that happens. Jonah knows it's his fault that God is bringing some sort of discipline or punishment to catch him. And so he decides that the way to stop the storm is for him to be thrown into the sea. Most likely he was hoping to die or at least expected to die. But instead, we get verse 17 and God appoints or God like, such a weird way of putting it, where it's like God like found this big fish. And it's like, hey, got a job for you. You free on Friday? And this fish swallows Jonah up and he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And if you're getting some stories mixed up, Jonah's son is not Pinocchio. Just making sure you know the difference between the two. He's not Geppetto. Different story. This is a Bible story. So that is a pretty interesting story. And maybe you hear that, and maybe this sounds kind of far-fetched to you. Maybe this sounds kind of like, oh yeah, this is one of those old Bible stories that you learned about as a kid. Didn't really happen. It's a myth. It's made up. It's a fairy tale. I would disagree with that, right? I think, I think there's room to believe that. But I, I think Jonah, real person, really swallowed by a big fish. Uh, and a couple of reasons why I think that is number one, if you read the story of Jonah and you're like, this is ridiculous. God could never do that. My question for you is, have you ever read the Bible? Like there are things that God does that is way crazier than having a fish swallow a guy. Right? We believe in a God who sat there before time existed and just said, yeah, let's have like a universe and it was created. Right? We believe in a God who raises people from the dead. 
We believe in a God who makes bread rain down from heaven. We believe in a God who works incredible miracles. So I have zero doubt that God could have this fish swallow Jonah. And even if you would sit there and be like, well, scientifically, he should die inside the belly of a fish. I, I believe we have a God who could make it so Jonah does not die in the belly of a fish. Do you need more proof? There's a fun story about a guy named James Bartley, who it's not 100% sure if this was real. Uh, there's a, some evidence suggests it was. But like 100 years ago, he was a whaler that was trying to kill a sperm whale and fell overboard. And like the next day, they like brought the sperm whale onto shore, cut it open, and he was inside and he was alive like 18 <laughs> hours later. So it happened to a real guy like 100 years ago. So I think it could happen to a real guy 3,000 years ago. I'm not stretching on that. But honestly, Jesus believes it's true. Jesus in his ministry and his teaching, he speaks about the story of Jonah. And he says very matter-of-factly that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Right? I believe Jesus. I have enough faith in Jesus and who he is as the Son of God, as God, that when I look to Jesus, I'm like, you know, if anyone can say for sure, it's probably that guy, Jesus. So I trust him. But still, even if you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, no problem. I believe this happened. Jonah swallowed by a whale. Makes sense. God could totally do that. You still might have another question that maybe runs a little bit deeper of why. Like, why does God let Jonah get swallowed by this whale or this fish. It doesn't say whale. I'm going to try not to say whale tonight. That's usually the way we picture it. Uh, but I think also the way we picture it, it's usually like pretty faulty. Like if you've ever had like a storybook Bible, it's usually like a big whale swallows him up and then he's like sitting in there in like a big cave with like a fire going, like cooking up like a meal. I don't think that's what it was like. I think it was like if you've ever been in a sleeping bag and like wrapped it up as tight as you can around yourself, and then had, like, your 20 friends also in a sleeping bag laying down on top of you. I think it was more like that, right? I've never done that personally. Don't look at me like, you've done that? That's weird. I don't think I've ever done that. I've definitely had, like, worm fights at winter camp where you're, like, in a sleeping bag and you, like, wrestle another person's sleeping bag. Another story for another time. But I think a, a good way to look at this and answering the question of why is I want to take you back to Psalm 86, verse 11. You might remember this if you have really good memory from three weeks ago. I shared this verse as kind of like the theme verse of Jonah. It's kind of like the, the picture to say, man, if you could put Jonah down to one sentence or to one verse, I think it's Psalm 86, 11 does a great job of showing it. Let me read it to you. It's David praying, and he says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. So I want to remind you of that verse. I want to read it for you all. Because I think that that prayer that David prays there, I think that God is working on Jonah through this book to transform him and change him to where that prayer is the true like cry of his soul is the true thing that he feels and believes, right? It's a prayer that any person could read that, right? You could sit here and you could read that verse easily. You could go down to Alvarado Street and you could find some random dude and be like, hey, would you read this verse? And he, like, they could read it, right? Anyone could say that, but what God wants to do to us is just as that last song said, our God, he actually wants to touch our whole heart 
through. He wants to get deep in there and transform us from the ground up, change every single part of us. And that's what he's trying to do to Jonah here. And I, I believe that Jonah being swallowed by this fish and staying in there for three days and three nights is actually a crucial uh, part of God doing that work in his life. In this same prayer that we're looking at from Psalm 86, I believe that the Lord wants this prayer to be yours as well. He wants this heart to look to God and say, teach me your ways, teach me your truth, help me to live for your name. He wants to work in your heart to have you say those same things, to move you away from living a life of saying, it's about my way, my truth, my name, and move you towards a life of saying, Lord, it is about your way, your truth, your name. I believe that God is at work making that Jonah's heart and making that your heart as well. And with that, our Father, he is willing to do anything to draw us closer to him, including having us be swallowed in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. If you don't believe me, let's read on and read the first nine verses of chapter two. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Which one? What a verse. Like, you think Jonah ever sat there as a young boy? Like, I bet I'm going to pray to God inside a fish someday. Great verse. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths and to the very heart of the seas and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So first off, let's appreciate the fact that Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. How crazy would that experience be? Like, how, like that's just ridiculous to think about. To think, like, like try to imagine yourself being there. I can tell you a few things. I've never experienced it, but by my guess, it's probably not fun. I don't think he's got Wi-Fi down there. Right? I don't think he's got like, his friends down there. I don't think he's got his puppy down there. Right? It's not cozy. Like he, He's not sitting there with like, a nice bed, like relaxing with like, a cold like, soda, just sitting by like, the pool of like, gastrointestinal fluids. Right? It's gross. But it's not cozy in there. Right? And Jonah, even before this happened, 
he hasn't exactly been in a good mindset. He's been running away from God. So I don't think Jonah's like in the mindset of like, yeah, I'm getting swallowed by the fish, but you know what? I can do all things through he who strengthens me. No, I don't think he's sitting there like, I am more than conqueror because I'm a follower of God. No, he's, he's not there at all. He's in a bad mood already and then gets swallowed by a fish. That is not a way to help a bad mood. Right, Jonah here, man, he's in a tough spot. Remember that he has been running away from God. And what I think is a powerful thing that happens to him here is he realizes that he has no chance of escaping. Right? He thought he could sail to the ends of the earth and then he would be far enough away from God to escape the call that God gave to his life, to escape the reach of God's arm. He thought he could escape from God. But he's learning here, no, that's not true. That God is just as close to him now as God has ever been. And I'm sure with that, he's probably afraid that God is punishing him. That, that he tried to get thrown into the sea. And maybe he sat there and thought, okay, I've run away from God. And so my punishment is I'm now going to die. And now maybe he's sitting here thinking, I don't even get off that easily. Like, I can't just be killed. I have to be swallowed by a fish. And who knows what's going to happen from there, but nothing good, right? Jonah might be sitting here like with extra anger, extra frustration. Maybe he thinks God is just out to get him at this point. That God's got a grudge. God's mad at Jonah for running away. And so God's like up there in heaven and he's like Sid from Toy Story. And he's just like this Jonah toy, he's going to suffer. We're going to pull some arms and legs off, like give him like a crane for a head, make him this little spider baby thing. That's the plan for Jonah. He's probably sitting there afraid of what God is doing to him. Right? Listen to some of the words that come from Jonah's mouth. He prays to God. He says, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Later on, it says, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head, which that's one where I think like, that's a weird thing to point out. Where you're sitting there like, I'm underwater. The ocean's crushing me. This whale swallowed me. I'm probably going to die. I can feel myself literally being digested. And there was seaweed in my hair. Right? He's just complaining about everything. He's frustrated about everything right now. The reason why, honestly, is Jonah's in a dark place. He probably feels crushed by his failure. Maybe he feels crushed by his sin and his guilt. Maybe he's looking at his life right now and he's saying, because I did this, I've been banished from God, swallowed by a fish, and I'm just going to suffer and die a slow and painful death. Right? The way he speaks here, it sounds like he's been trying to reach out to God, possibly, but has not been hearing anything. He feels banished from God. He feels like God wants nothing to do with him now. And he likely feels completely and totally abandoned. And so my question for you all tonight, I don't need a show of hands, but you can just think about this in your heart and your mind, is have you ever been there? Have you ever had a time in your life, not that you've been swallowed by a whale, but that you've struggled to feel God's presence. Have you had a time in your life where maybe it was you felt really guilty 
or you felt really upset or hurt about something that happened, and your view of God during that point was that he felt very far away. Maybe he felt very mean, very angry, very cruel to you, that felt like God was out to get you, that he was punishing you, that he didn't care about you, that he wasn't strong enough to do anything to help you. Have you ever struggled to feel God's presence? Or struggle to hear his voice? Have you ever tried reading the Bible or you go to church on Tuesdays, on Sundays, but all it feels like is just a brick wall hitting you every time? And it's not that you're reading the Bible and being like, man, this is the word of God. This is my father who created me, speaking to me right now, giving me words of his love and goodness for me. But it just feels like, man, this is like a really boring, long, confusing book. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you prayed and your prayers are just going out to the middle of nowhere? That no one's really listening, no one's paying attention, Even if God does hear, even if God is real, he's not going to answer or he's not able to answer or it's not worth his time. But have you ever had a hard time experiencing the love of God? You felt like God was just grumpy or upset at you or angry at you. You felt like God didn't really care about you. You felt all of these other things going wrong. Maybe your parents were mad at you. Maybe your friends were mad at you. Maybe you were feeling like a failure in one place or another. And God just felt so far away as if he didn't care. Imagine, many of us in this room have probably felt this way at one point or another. And I'm willing to make a promise that if you continue to follow Jesus, you will feel this way at some point in your life. That that time will come up. Because for me, as I sit here and I, I, I reflect on these feelings, like, I'm sharing them with you guys, not just of a sense of like, yeah, when I was a seventh grader, I totally felt this way. But then I went to this camp, prayed this prayer, read this verse, and now I'm, I've been better ever since. And God's always close and God's always great. And I'm always loving him. He always listens when I pray. He always speaks to me from the word. No, I've had plenty of times being a follower of Jesus for three, four, five, six, seven years where I still feel this way where it still shows up. And I can tell you something, the, the times where I felt this way, walking with Jesus after four or five years, were actually harder than the times when I was a middle schooler. Right? This is an experience that's very common to people, very common to Christians. So the first thing I want to tell you all tonight is if you're in that place now, if you've in, been in that place before, or if you will find yourself in that place eventually, you are not alone. You're not alone, and you're not, like, weird. You're not, like, the only Christian in history to feel this way. You're not the only person in history to feel this way. It's actually common. And often, as we're going to learn and see tonight, this is actually usually a helpful experience that God allows us to have. We're going to look at Jonah's experience of this tonight, and we're going to see the work God would do in him through this, And what I want you to see from Jonah is that our God allows us to go through times of suffering, times of pain, especially times where he feels far away because there's a beautiful and incredible thing that our God wants to do with us, that he wants to do in us. And so getting into that, 
The first thing I have to say about that is uh, I want to give a name to it. I think a great name for it comes from the 16th century, so the 1500s, a Spanish priest whose name is St. John of the Cross, which, like, what a name to get. Like, if you're, like, I would love one day, like, 500 years from now, people being like, yeah, I got this quote. It's from this middle school director from Monterey, California, St. Andy of the Cross. That's such a cool name. And he called this experience the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. I love that, too, because it sounds like a Harry Potter book. It's like Harry Potter and the Dark Knight of the Soul, right? It's, it's like a cool name, but it's such like a description of it because it's just like, man, what like a bummer. Like that feels tough, the Dark Knight of the Soul. I was talking with some of the guys in small group about like, yeah, I don't really like the darkness. Like I'm 24 years old. I'm totally willing to admit if I go to bed after Austin and I turn all the lights out downstairs, I run full speed upstairs. Just because I have this sense of, like, that guy's going to reach out and grab me. Like, so, something's going to go wrong. So I don't like dark nights, especially not when it's, like, in my soul. Like, that's hard to get away from. But what he called this, what this means, is it's simply a time when you want to hear from God, when you want to experience God, but you feel like nobody is home. This is that time in life when you pray and pray and pray, but you get no answer. Or you read scripture, you read the Bible, but you don't hear God's voice. Or you sin, you fail, you make a mistake in some way, but you don't feel forgiven. Or when you struggle or you recognize, man, this is hard, this hurts, this is a tough time, but I really don't feel like God loves me right now. I don't feel like he's helping me right now. I don't feel like he's paying attention to me right now. As I said, I imagine some of you have probably experienced this before. I'm willing to bet if you continue to follow Jesus, you'll have times in your life where you will experience this. I'm sure if you talk to your small group leaders about them and ask them, they would probably have stories that they could share with you of times where they felt this way. It's a pretty common thing. And so the question to ask them is what causes this? Right? Is there like a vaccine we can take away to prevent the dark night? So is there a flu shot for this that we can get? Uh, not really. When we ask the question of what causes this, we can answer it in some ways, but there's not always a crystal clear reason why this happened. Here, here's really quickly a couple reasons it might be. Number one is it could be unconfessed sin. Right? This is a good thing to do if you feel distant from God. A good thing to ask is look at your life and say, man, is there something that I'm doing wrong? Is there a disobedience, a sin in my life that I know is there and that I'm just putting up with and I'm not trying to do anything about it? I haven't confessed it to God. I haven't confessed it to a friend or to a small group leader or to my parents. Sometimes when we have that going on, we have a gracious and merciful God for sure who's forgiven you, but sometimes he's willing to step back to help you see that that sin is good news, right? He's willing, or good news, oh my gosh, that's bad. Cut that out of the recording. He's willing to step back to help you see that that sin is bad news. Bad news, not good news. If you walk over there, if you wrote that down in your notebook, rip that out right now. He wants you to see that that sin is not good. 
Right? He wants you to see clearly, like, this is not a good deal. Right? This is something that is hurting you probably more than you recognize. And so he's willing to step back to help you see that more clearly. A second thing is exhaustion. It's possible that you're not experiencing God because you're like dead tired and you don't have energy left for the Lord. I'll confess, this was me yesterday, right? I took a, I had a day off yesterday. I usually have a day off on Friday, but I swapped it for the Christmas party. And so I was riding like 11 or 12, like straight work days, like long days, days where I was sleeping like six hours a night, like not sleeping enough. And on Monday, like I, I set my alarm for 5.15 when I normally wake up um, just to show off. And I woke up and I was just like not feeling it. I turned my alarm off, went back to bed, woke up. It was 8.40. It took me about half an hour from there to get out of bed. I went downstairs, pulled out my Bible, pulled out my notebook, and sat there for like five minutes, pulled out my computer and put on YouTube, and did not read my Bible or pray that entire day. Because you know what? I was exhausted. I was like glued to my couch until like 1.30 in the afternoon. I was tired. So maybe like you're having a tough time hearing from God because you sit down to read your Bible and you fall asleep or you're tired. And so if that's you, man, sleep. Like go to bed. Like rest up and try again. That is an okay thing to do. Number three goes along with number two. It's busyness. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're not giving the, the Lord an opportunity to be with you, to speak to you. In which case, similar to number two, get some rest. Take a night off, right? Take a break on something and try again and go to be with the Lord. Calm down, slow down, rest. Number four could be pride, right? You're running off of your own steam. You're, you're trusting your own strength and you're saying all of these things in my life, I can absolutely do this right now. I don't need God. And so maybe sometimes he takes a step back to kind of show you like, oh yes, you do. You think I'm not helping out right now? You think I'm not holding you up right now? And he's willing to step back so that we can trip and fall and be like, oh yes, Lord, I need you. I need you. I think I'm going through this right now too. I think I'm in a zone where it's like, man, I've been trying to do a whole lot of things all by myself and I'm realizing right now, that's not working. I need God's strength. Number five, similar to number one, it's God's discipline. This is the last one I've got for you guys on this. It's God's discipline. This is like what Joan is experiencing right now. Sometimes our God disciplines us, but notice this, it's never to punish us or destroy us. When our God disciplines, it's not some like angry reaction, like screaming, yelling at you and being like, you're not my real kid, go away forever. Like our God, he does not react like that. When our God disciplines us, it's actually always to change us, to renew us and to draw us closer to him. His discipline helps us to become more like his son, Jesus, and helps us to draw closer to him and who he is. And that last one, that one's key. Because I think that last one of God's discipline shows what this experience is like for us. Shows the reason why God lets us go through this. is because this dark night that we're talking about, it's never because God doesn't care about you. You will never walk through this because God has given up on you. You will never experience this because God is fed up with you or he's had enough of you or you're failing too much or you're not doing things right and he's tired of you. 
No, if you walk through a season like this, if you have an experience like this, it is always a long-term push towards you becoming more like Jesus and towards you growing into a deeper friendship with him. That's always God's goal when we experience something like this. God never wants to make us feel abandoned or left out or ignored by him. He is pushing us towards him through hardship, through challenges, through discipline, and through suffering. That is the work of God. I love that. Like, I, I keep referencing it. That last song that Chris played for us, it's like my favorite song right now, Whole Heart. Listen to it. I encourage you. If you have Spotify or iTunes or something, check that song out. It's great. I love that second, or it's a confusing song. It's one of the lines in the song. It's hard to say, like, if it's a verse, chorus, bridge, whatever it is. But it's the lines like, you crashed those age-old gates. You left no stone unturned. Right? What our God is doing in us, brothers and sisters, I, I hope you understand this. I hope you appreciate this. Our God is after you way more than you could ever know. And our God, he's not just trying to grab you to like be like, all right, I've got Jack, and I just want to make him like a kind of nice person. No, our God, he's after you to completely transform and change who you are. There's a really smart guy named Ravi Zacharias who, no, he quoted someone else in this. It might have been, he quoted someone else. So I'm quoting a really smart guy who quoted a really smart guy. So we're like level 10 smart at this point. And he had, he shared this quote saying, Jesus did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead people live. Right? That's the level of change our God is after in you. You know what type of change it takes to make a dead person live? A lot more than I've ever seen, like, just person. Like, I've never walked around and found a dead body and seen it just get up and be like, hey, I'm back to life. Right? That's an incredible amount of change. That's what God's after within you. That's what he's after in your heart. He's after you to transform you and change you and make you more and more like his son, Jesus, and draw you closer into a friendship with him. And so he lets us experience these times. He lets us go through these hardships because he wants to transform you. He wants to draw you in to his love and his friendship. All right, let's close this out with verse 10. It says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Sometimes that's what it takes. Right? Sometimes that's what this season of life feels like. Right? Sometimes that's just how life goes. Where you're sitting there, it's like, hey man, how's your walk with the Lord going right now? I feel like he's having a fish vomit me up on the dry land. Right? It's gross. Smells terrible. I don't know quite how it works from like a physics level. Like if that fish is that big, how close to land did it get? So like how much projectile is involved in this? Like probably shouldn't think that deeply about it. We're getting real nasty right now. But that's not like a life goal. That's not, that shouldn't be on any of your bucket list to get vomited out of a fish. But sometimes that's what it's like. Sometimes that's what God does to draw us closer to him. And that's okay. You know, we're called to have mercy on those who doubt. We're called to have mercy on those who smell like fish vomit. Because that's our God working in us. That's a sign of his love for you. That's a sign that he is so far away from giving up on you that he's willing to go to every length possible 
to draw you closer to him, to make you more like him. So let's close this out really quickly. I want to encourage you guys to end this message. Right, we've been talking about fish vomit and dark nights of the soul and hard things. So I want to close by encouraging you all. I want to encourage you with some exact words from Jonah as he's in this place. The first one is from Jonah, and he says it in verse 2. He says, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I called, well, actually, no, that was number two. Number one is right before that. I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Called to the Lord, and he answered me. First encouragement to you guys is wherever you're at, our God, he will answer you. Might not be immediately. Might not be the way you want it to be. But our God, he's never ignoring you and pushing you away and like pretending to not hear your prayer. Have you ever done this? I used to do it. Like, I do this still. Have you ever done this where like you're walking around your house and your mom's like, hey, Cody. And you just know like, I've got a chore to do. She's like, got something to tell me to do. Gonna take out the trash. Maybe she even just says that like, hey, Cody, take out the trash. And you just pretend like I've never heard that. I'm cruising this direction. Like, I'm going to grab my headphones. God never does that to you. God is never up there in heaven pretending he missed your prayer. No, he is answering. Number two, I accidentally read it. It Jonah saying, you listened to my cry. God listens to you. Do you know that? Even if you're sitting there and all your prayers are, is, God, this is awful. This is really hard. I've got a bone to pick with you. You need to explain yourself, mister. Like whatever, whatever you're saying to God, whatever frustration or grumpiness or anger you have to God, you know what? He can take it. He's listening to you. He wants to hear you. In fact, that, that type of prayer, that type of like, God, I'm really upset and angry and frustrated and I feel like you're a bad God right now and you're doing a bad job being God right now. You know that, that, that prayer, a name for it is a lament Right? It's like a, it's a sad prayer. It's saying like things are, are a bummer. You have the 150 Psalms of the book of Psalms. Over two-thirds of them, meaning over a hundred of them, are laments. So if you read the book of Psalms, two out of every three Psalms you come across, the author will be sitting there saying, God, you're really not doing a good job right now. And I'm upset. I gotta, you need to explain yourself. Right? You're totally allowed to pray that. God listens. Number three, moving quickly. Jonah says in verse four, he says, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. This is never permanent. That's what I want you to hear. This is never permanent. It can so feel like it is. It can so, like, it gets so discouraging. You can sit there and be like, I've never been friends with God. He's never answered a prayer. He's never spoken to me. He's never forgiven me. He's never cared about me. I want you to see it from Jonah. No, there's an end to this. Our God promises to bring you out of this. And that is proven in the last uh, one of these in verse nine. Jonah says, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Well, I want you to see there, we of course understand that we are saved, forgiven by the blood of Jesus, that we are set free from our sins, that we are entered into the kingdom and family and friendship with God by what Jesus has done for us. That is salvation. Specifically connecting that to this topic here, I want you to see that your salvation from this comes from God. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from you figuring something out, reading the right Bible verse, 
lifting your hands up in the right like formula during worship. It doesn't come from like the right prayer to pray. It doesn't come from you suddenly fixing this. It comes from Jesus. It comes from his love for you. It comes from the work that he is doing in you to rescue you and save you and transform you. So if you're in that place right now, or if you will be ever, or if you were before, Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your savior. Jesus is your rescuer. And Jesus is the one who is working with you there to make you more like him and to make you like him more. Right? That's something that God is doing in you. Like that? That was nifty. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you. Lord, even though sometimes it's hard for us to thank you. Lord, we pray and we want to pray with honesty, God, that I'm sure some of us in this room, Lord, I, I can say this about myself during times right now. Lord, this, this is hard. Lord, you can feel far away from us. You can feel like you're not speaking to us, not listening to us. And Lord, that's a challenging thing. Lord, we pray tonight, and we don't want to just pray that it would stop, that we would feel better. Lord, of course we hope for that. But Lord, we pray for your will to be done. We pray for your work to be done in us. We pray that you would use everything in your arsenal to make us righteous like your son is righteous. To help us love others as you have loved us. To help us know you and to love you and to worship you. Lord, draw us into you, Lord, even through the hard things even through challenges, even through pain, pull us closer to you, Jesus. We pray that all of us would be able to declare that that is true. Lord, we pray that in a year, five years, 10 years, we would be able to say of honesty that we are closer to you now, that we are more like your son now than ever before. Jesus, continue that work in us, we pray. And all of us pray it together in your holy name, as all God's people said. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.